This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7. You're listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat. And we'll get on to red eyes in just a little moment. But what's coming up a little bit later on in the program, Danny Boss? Hi, Jane. Well, what we've got is... You'll notice we've been talking to people with alternate therapies for pets over the last number of weeks. We've had Susan with the flower essences. We've also had Jocelyn Barker with massage. Today we've got Dr. Ilona Hudson, who will be talking to us. Now, she's a vet, but she'll be talking to us about chiropractic therapy for pets. So that's a very interesting subject. But there's so many things out there. You can do bone therapy for pets. I can do physiotherapy for pets, even acupuncture for pets. And it works wonders for your pet. Just even with acupuncture, for example, uh, the lady that uh, does it in Sydney, I've got information, has had success in treating animals for allergies, breeding problems, rare behavioral issues, provides palliative care for older dogs and cancer patients as well. So it's, it's, it's a big world out there when it comes to alternative therapies for pets. And thank you, Danny, and we'll have a look at that a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. David, red eyes. Well, last week uh, talked about dogs with blue eyes. So if you look at the dog and see blue eyes, but what about if their eyes are all red? And oftentimes we see this, there might be red all around the outside and they wake up one morning and they're like that. There's a number of things that can cause it. Now, usually it doesn't mean that they've had a late night. It actually means that there's something wrong. So the general principle is get them to the vet sooner rather than later. And I'm, I'm a particular uh, fanatic about this, that eye problems need to be treated quickly because the consequences are so severe they can go blind very quickly. Uh, the most common thing we see is conjunctivitis, which is the conjunctiva, so a little bit of an anatomy lesson here, folks. Conjunctiva is the tissue around the eye and if for us it's what we see is the white part of the eye now if you look at a dog's eye they actually have a much smaller area uh, of conjunctiva um, and the clear part of the eye is a lot bigger but they still get all the uh, tissue on the inside of the eyelids and so on that's part of it as well that can all get inflamed and you might even see little blood vessels that come up and vets have a way of telling whether it's a long-standing problem or it's a short problem by looking at the blood vessels But uh, that's the conjunctiva. The other part of the eye that gets inflamed is the cornea, which is the clear part of the eye, the front surface. And if that gets inflamed, it's called keratitis. So sometimes they actually go together, and it might be um, keratoconjunctivitis. I'm glad you're saying those words. Mm. A very common thing (laughs) in, um, in cattle, actually, that get pink eye, which is a bacteria spread by flies. They get keratoconjunctivitis. So um, we see it in dogs and cats for various reasons. It could be that they've got a bit of dust in their eye. Uh, you know, dog's got their head out the window, car driving along, and the dust speck flies into the eye. That can set up a cycle of irritation and inflammation. And also there's a physical trauma. So your eyelids actually function like windscreen wipers. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is, if the, you know, like if you've got a bit of dirt or something on your windscreen, and you actually put your wipers on it, scratches right across. Yeah, it gets stuck in the rubble. Mm, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, that can happen, and these things get scratched across the eye. And when you go to the vet, they'll put a special stain into the eye, which actually shows up if there's any damage to the surface of the eye. And so um, it'll stain yellow or green. Uh, it's very spectacular if you have the lights off and a UV uh, UV light there as well. But that actually shows where the damage is. And you can even look at how deep it is and so on. So it could be something as simple as that, or it could be an infection. A viral infection is common in cats. We see them with 
uh, herpes virus and Khaleesi virus, they can end up with eye problems. And also chlamydia in cats can cause eye problems as well. They often get respiratory signs as well mm-hmm. with that. In dogs, um, it is possible to get eye diseases from viral infection, mainly distemper, but it's just so rare these days. Thank goodness for vaccination. But uh, we do see a lot of bacterial problems in the eye. Might be started by a bit of dust or might just be that they've rubbed their eye and got bacteria in there. Now, the thing is that can go bad really quickly. I've seen, I remember a dog I saw years ago and I, I was a little Yorkshire Terrier and be- belonged to a breeder. And she said, oh, the dog was fine. And two hours later, the, the eye was so swollen. And I said, you better get to see a specialist. And they rushed him down to Sydney. And they said if it had been another six hours, he would have lost the eye. Wow. So that's how quickly some of these infections can develop. And what happens is they, the surface of the eye gets ulcerated and eaten away. And they get an ulcer. And then they need surgery and so on and so forth. So that's why I think we want to get onto them quickly. In some cases, it's just a simple thing of, you know, some eye cream, um, flush the eye out, and the vet will do that under some anaesthetic, local anaesthetic, and then flush the eye out. And just some eye cream, and you might have to put that in two or three times a day, go back and have the revisits and those things to make sure that it's healing. But if it is more severe and there's an ulcer there, then surgery is sometimes needed. In the rare cases or unfortunate, uncommon cases, the eye can actually rupture. But fear not, sometimes they're retrievable. And I've had a number of patients where I've seen that have had ulcers in the eye that have ruptured that we've actually done surgery on, sutured, put a graft. We can put a pedicle graft in where we actually bring a bit of the conjunctiva down over the surface of the eye. Uh, and sure, there's, the dog's going to have a, bl- uh, you know, a blind spot, but um, as long as we don't let them drive the, drive the car, they'll be right. <laughs> and they can get around all right. So a lot of things that can be done, but red eyes are a bad sign take them to the vet, get them checked, and the earlier the better because you'll save yourself a lot of time and hassle and, and money, of course. Yep. And possibly the pet sight. And pet sight, yeah. 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 So there is, uh, just quickly, puppies can also get red eyes because they often have their eyelids rolled in and they're rubbing on the eye and that's called entropion. And there's a number of breeds where that's a predominant feature. Um, Sharpays are a great example. Although mm-hmm. I've noticed more Sharpays coming through now that uh, have got quite good eyes. Rottweilers and Cocker Spaniels are another ones that we see a lot of, Bull Terriers as well. Uh, and they can end up with, um, with needing surgery on the eyelids. So a bit of a, you know, bit of a facelift, eye lift, help things along, <laughs> even when they're so young. Mm. And what age would that happen at? Oh, it could be done, you know, as early as sort of six to eight weeks of age. You sort of keep your fingers crossed that they're going to grow out of it, but most times you sort of know that, uh, no, we're going to have to operate. Um, in... Adult, you know, adolescent dogs, I think 6 to 10, 12 months of age sometimes, then it's obvious they need surgery and the vet would actually remove a section of the eyelid and rotate the remaining eyelid back out into a normal position. And you're listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat. And Danny Boss, you've got a special interview lined up for us now. Today we've got Dr. Lona Hudson uh, joining us on the show. Now, she runs Noah's Ark Vet Clinic in Madawi, in Nelson Bay. She's also been a vet for some 15 years. But with a need for chiropractic therapy in the pet industry, in the pet world, she decided to do a postgraduate degree in animal chiropractic therapy. She also owns two staffies, two Devon Rexes, five horses, and is very much an animal lover. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you. Um, first of all, Ilona, what is chiropractic work? 
Okay, chiropractic work is a very gentle form of um, manipulating, uh, probably best described, the nervous system of animals. Right. So to improve the function. So that might be looking at certain joints, most notably the spine. That's what most people associate it with. Yes. But we also do some soft tissue work with muscles and um, with other bits and pieces, just depending on what the animal needs. So there's more than just cracking bones as such. So what kind of cases in pets are suitable for, for chiropractic work then? Um, there's different categories of... Uh, of suitable cases. The first ones that we see would be your performance animals, so um, horses and dogs that are competing at a show level and so you're looking for maintenance and maximal performance or maybe they've had an injury, say, in a show jumping horse or or a a dog show dog where they've moved at an odd angle or they've got an old injury from playing around in the paddock or the yard. And then the second category would be the uh, animals that have uh, a medical condition. So they are old and arthritic. They're um, recovering from some sort of surgery, so they need rehabilitation after cruciate ligament repair. Yes. Um, and, And some other sort of injuries, say if they've been lame for a long time and they've ended up with a sore back as a result of being twisted or um, they have conformational disorders, so crooked legs which lead them to have a sore neck and, and, and those sort of ones. Yes, I've been reading on the subject, I've been surprised how many alternate therapies are available out there for pets. We've had Jocelyn who does massage therapy on the show and we've also had Susan, who does flower essences, but there's also physiotherapy available and acupuncture. It is amazing. But with chiropractic work, a lot of the times we see images where uh, chiropractors are yanking limbs um, and so forth. It looks quite, um, yeah, quite hard and and maybe a bit painful. But you mentioned uh, it was gentle work. Can you, yeah, explain that to us a bit? Yeah, sure. It, look, it should always be gentle and I think the, the very modern and current form of chiropractic as I was trained in is, is a very gentle thing. The, there is a, uh, maybe some techniques out there that involve the very long levers and, and what we would call yanking of legs and they, they're, they're inappropriate and, and very outmoded these days. Right. So what we're looking for is something that causes uh, no pain to the animal and, and certainly no damage and that uh, still achieves a very good result. The, the problems with those sort of leg yanking long lever techniques are that they can exert massive forces at one end of that bone and they actually can potentially cause damage. So while there certainly is a history of those images being around, that, that is not the way that chiropractic is done and it's getting gentler with time and it does work really nicely with those uh, other complementary therapies. So chiropractic and acupuncture together is just fabulous. We work a little bit with Jocelyn and the massage and I think the massage is really important. And, and so the more of those that you can put together, the better. Okay, so it works in really fine with the other alternate therapies that are available. Absolutely. I have a couple of clients that I have in the past shared with Jocelyn and they would have a massage from her uh, on the same day and then they would come up to me and have chiropractic. And you will, in fact, find human chiropractors um, will tell you that they get um, better results if you've had a massage and you're a bit relaxed in the, in the hours to days before you go to see them. So... Uh, it does appear to me like that that's that human touch isn't it it really is magic but how does 
chiropractic um, how does chiropractic therapy fit in with traditional veterinary veterinary therapy? It fits in really nicely, and I definitely never say it's instead of; it's as well as. Yes. And that's it, it's really important that it is as well as. So I wouldn't be replacing very many of my traditional medical therapies, but I can use the chiropractic sometimes to speed up the process that we're that we're sort of following. So if that were, as I said, a rehabilitation for a cruciate, we might be able to get that dog up and walking and moving freely a lot earlier, which can then reduce the amount of damage to the other bits of the body. So for example, in an elderly dog that you fully expected might turn around and rupture the other cruciate, we might be able to limit the strain on that other leg and get the dog working a bit sooner so yep. that that didn't happen. Right, and last of all, if, if my pet needed some chiropractic therapy work done on it, how do I find a good chiropractor and one that's got the right quali- qualifications for my pet? That's a really good question, Danny. Um, there is a website for qualified chiropractors. It's, it comes under the name and you can just Google them, the Australian Veterinary Chiropractic Association. Yes. And they're the people who are either vets or chiropractors or osteopaths to start with and they have done the postgraduate training in chiropractic and they're all registered and, and their, their names are on the website and if you ever had a problem you could, I, I am definitely on the website but if you weren't in my area you could contact me through the website and, and I can point you in the right direction. Well thank you very much for your time today. Oh, it's lovely speaking to you Danny. Okay, see you Thanks next so time, Bye. bye. You're listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat. It's half past 12 and we'll be back in just a moment. We're very happy to take your calls now. Uh, and the number to ring is 49216216. And uh, that will get you through to us. <laughs> 2NURFM 103.7. And on 2NURFM 103.7, you're listening to Pet Chat. And the number to ring with your question, we'd love to hear from you. Bring us your question is 49216216 and Marilyn has done that and joins us now. Hello, Marilyn. Hi there. You've got a question you'd like to put to David? Uh, Yes, I've got two uh, chickens that started to um, uh, lay in December. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that hot weather, uh, they stopped laying and they haven't started again. Uh, How can I get them to... Lay. Right. How old are they, Meryl? Um, well, they, they're around about, or they, they were the age to start yeah. in December. Okay. But the hot weather's put a stop to that. Yeah. Um, specifically, I think we've got to make sure, obviously the weather's a lot better. Yeah. And you can't do a lot to control that except maybe sh- uh, if you do get heat waves again is to um, have some sort of sprinkler system or plenty of shade for them as well to minimise the impact of the weather. Uh, the other thing is to make sure that their they're nutrition and they're getting enough energy, uh, they're free from other stresses so that there's no um, possible exposure to predators like cats or foxes and things like that. Um, there is an effect of uh, uh, long daylight that um, most domestic chickens nowadays, particularly because you source them, they come through hatcheries. The, ge- the de- genetics of them is such that they pretty much are going to lay eggs all year round. But if you shut down the ovaries, um, you know it's going to take a, a fair bit of time and possibly a fair bit of hormonal influence to get things going again. Mm-hmm. You can. Uh, 
by making sure all those other factors, um, temperature control, food and lack of predators, are the things that you can control to uh, minimise the stress on their system and to allow them to start laying again. But the hormonal influences that are involved can sometimes be quite complex. Um, it's not an area where we want to jump in and necessarily give them drugs to actually start that, but there is that option. Um, but I think the um, the side effects and the costs of the drugs and the administration of it wouldn't really give you that much of an advantage. So I don't know if Danny's had any experience with... I have had experience with my chickens stopping over, yeah, a predator getting to them overnight, and they have stopped for a few weeks and then they start up again. But I haven't had anyone no, stop this for is, that period of time. Yeah, this yeah. is like four months now. Yes, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they might be deciding that they're selecting themselves for either a long long stay in your backyard or Christmas dinner. <laughs> well, I've threatened them. <laughs> Marilyn, I told you, no stress. <laughs> Marilyn, have you also wormed them with a, with a, a, um, there is wormers available that you can give to poultry and egg laying hens. Yeah. yeah. So that, that have you wormed them as well? No, no, I haven't. Okay, that's something to look at as well and yep. make sure it's all up to date. Yeah. Hmm. Otherwise, patience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Head to the supermarket for <laughs> eggs. <laughs> Thanks, you call Marilyn. And four nine two one six two one six. Actually, Jane, that's not such a bad idea. Is maybe get an egg. You can get plastic eggs from produce stores and the mm. like. Put them in the, put them in the nest box, and then the chicken goes, "Oh, I laid an egg yesterday," and that actually is a hormonal influence that would might stimulate it. Yep, that's another idea as well. Mm. There you go. There we go. Now, Danny, have we got any pet events coming up? Well, we all know of Hunter Animal Rescue. They rescue pets, and they had their picnic day last week, and that was a fantastic success. But there's also another um, community-based organisation called Hunter Animal Watch, and they're a little bit different. What they do is, for anyone who's a pensioner or a current health card holder, and they have a pet that's not desexed, well, Hunter Animal Watch will help subsidise the cost of that desexing because they believe very much in desexing the pets so that we don't have a problem with unwanted pets in our community. So if you need or you're thinking about that, please give them a call, Hunter Animal Watch, and their phone number is 49664344 or 49641823. Ring on Monday and Tuesday between 1pm to 4pm, or they are on Beaumont Street in Hamilton. You can go see them in the store that they have over there. So that's a really good little contact that you can have. Newcastle and Hunter German Shepherd Dog Club will be holding its championship and obedience show this weekend at the Hillsborough Dog Show Grounds on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we also have just preparing for next weekend when the Newcastle show is on. There will be a dog show held on the Friday and Saturday at the Newcastle show. and It'll be a championship show. And last of all, there was an ad already in, in between our show about the Vasey Village Country Carnival, which is happening on the Sunday the 22nd. There will be Jack Russell races there. We've mentioned that a number of times. This will be the last time, obviously, because it is held on Sunday from 10 a.m. Is that the only pet participation in the Vasey Village show? <laughs> well, I'm sure you can bring a pet to the day, but I think that is the only pet participation that I know of, yes. 
Are you showing in the Newcastle show? I will be. So after the show next Friday, I'm running off to, after this Pet Chat show, I'll be running off to show the dogs at the Newcastle show. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's four of my dogs in there. Come and watch it trot out. You'll have to. Yeah. I've only just recently started practicing in the show ring. Because mm-hmm. oh. I haven't been doing that, you know, I do all the the homework with the dogs, but uh, at home. But in terms of being in the show ring, yes, I've only just started for yourself, for myself. Oh yeah, you've got to have the style, Danny. I think you got it. <laughs> I'm trying. Are there many dog events uh, such as this in the Newcastle show? Well, there is your 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 show, but at different regional shows, there could be obedience trials at those events, mm. uh, agility um, events as well with dogs, uh, even tracking. Uh, and fieldwork events. A lot of shows usually always have the cattle dogs or sheep dogs. Yeah, they're they're doing a lot of work. So a lot of exciting things to see. Well, it it is a pet. It is a a raw show, um, and so there is actually the cattle and the horses and the chickens and all. So there's a whole range of species, not just the dogs. That's true. Yep. Four nine two one six two one six. That number will get you through to us. And Leanne joins us. Hello, Leanne. Hello. How are you going there? Hi, Leanne. Hi, um, I just have a question. It's a bit of an odd question. At 2 o'clock this morning, I heard two dogs after my cat. Mm. He, likes, he likes to sit out the front of the house, you know, on the car or in the garden. Now, I heard all the kerfuffle, and I could hear my cat, like, leaping to get onto the fence, you know, to obviously get away. Yep. When I actually got up to have a look, I'd just obviously seen the dogs just walking back down the street. Now, I heard no noise made from my cat that the dogs had actually got him. But I've had no sight of my cat this morning at all. Mm. If he's hurt, will he go away? Yeah, they they often do. But yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's he's been injured. He, no, he, you no, know. he could be just frightened. Yes, yes. Yeah, a yeah. very I mean, bit, a very big very scare. Very tough tomcat. You know, he gives everyone a bit of curry, but two dogs after him, I'm no. sure it's frightened the absolute life out of him. Yes, I, I would be concerned that, um, like, he might have been grabbed. And dogs, when they bite, particularly cats, is they, they puncture the skin and then they shake them. So there may be minimal damage on the surface of the skin, right. but there'll be a lot of trauma underneath. Would, uh, he, have made, would he have made any noise? Because I'd heard him nothing whatsoever, a cat noise. All I could hear were the dogs sort of thinking, oh, I found one and running. Yeah. I could hear their footsteps and their sort of the, the dogs, because it was right out the front of my bedroom window. He may have uh, decided to lay low. Um, I guess the things I would be worried about too is if he has an injury to his chest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if we can find I mean, I him. Have no, I have no evidence to say that they actually got him. Sure. I heard him doing his best attempts to, to clamber up a fence, obviously, because by the time I'd actually jumped outside at 2 a.m., yeah. it was all over. It was all over, yeah. I, I'd be really concerned, and I think try and track him down if you can. Obviously, he's, if under the house is a favourite haunt, but sometimes they disappear um, to a neighbour's or off into the bush, and um, you know the the worst scenario we see is when they um, uh, get found days later when we really need to give them treatment sort of that right. day. Yeah, but um, yeah, let's hope yeah. that let's hope that he's okay. But uh, if you can find him, and as I said, even with minimal uh, damage, and I've even seen animals that have had no just a little bit of bruising, no puncture wounds that have had massive trauma underneath. Right. So sometimes. Right. The nature of a dog bite is such that you don't always get a lot on the surface, but they yeah, do get yeah. a lot of crush injury. Yeah. I mean, I never saw any um, fur or nothing. There was not, not an, an ounce of that. It, if I probably hadn't woke up and heard it, I wouldn't know any different. 
Yeah. You know, other than I heard the, the dogs and obviously the cat trying to obviously get up the fence. Well, have a look around and yeah. hopefully we can find him in safe comfort. And, um, yeah, I hope so. Otherwise he needs to get checked out for sure. So, yeah. all right? Yeah. All right, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Leanne. Good, Good luck, luck, Leanne. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thanks. And you're listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat. The number to ring with your questions or comments is 49216216. And we do have a double pass, two adults, two children, to give away to uh, Western Plains Zoo. Great place to go in the school holidays. Yeah. I, um, I was just going to mention, Jane, I had a note written down here. When I was talking red eyes before, there's one big topic I forgot all about. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things we see often in older animals and certain breeds is a condition called keratoconjunctivitis sicca, which is shortened to dry eye or KCS. And what happens is the dogs don't produce enough tears or the, the watery part of their tears and their eyes get very red and um, mucky discharge. And those dogs actually need lifelong treatment because their tear glands have shut down. And that'll cause a very nasty red eye. And it's a co- condition we see quite a bit in a whole spectrum of breeds. So if you see it could be late middle-aged to older dog with mucky or red eyes, that uh, that could be a possibility and certainly needs treatment immediately. Do dogs cry? Um, well, they don't cry for emotional reasons. Ah. But if they're, so if they've got tears in their eyes when you come home, they've probably got a bit of dust or a speck. <laughs> Speck of dust in there. We'll be back in just a moment with more of on two and URFM's pet chat and four nine two one six two one six. Give us a ring if you've got a question you'd like to put to David. On two and URFM one oh three point seven where you're listening to two and URFM's pet chat and Ellen has rung in. Ellen. Hello. Hi Ellen. Oh, how are you? Good. What can uh, we do for you? I don't know whether you can help me or not, but uh, my daughter has left home and she's left me. I don't think we can fix that, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he's nine years old. Right. And uh, I think he's got Russian blue in him. He's a grey colour. But he gets these terrible sores on the top of his head like scabs and he's um, ripped himself open underneath the neck. It happens every time this time of the year and yes. I put the flea stuff on him Yes. and what could it be? Fleas. Fleas? Yes. Oh. Flea allergy. Oh but a much, look, it's a much more severe form because yeah. um, when dogs get flea allergies, they get problems all down over their rump and they're characterised yeah. by hair loss and itchiness. Yeah. But cats yeah. get it differently. Yeah. Cats get this um, little sores all over their oh. body, often around the head. Yeah. And uh, around the neck. Um, the other thing that can happen, and it's, a, it's an allergy to saliva, so one flea bite can do it. Yeah. Oh, that, that's not him. No, no, that's a dog. I've got a pepper. I've got pepper. You've got them all. Good on you. Yes, yes I have. I mean, but it's just a cat that's worried. So how many, how many cats and dogs have you got? I've only got one cat. Right. And I've got, uh, my daughter's got a dog that's right. here besides my pepper. Okay, so two dogs and one cat? Yes. You need to treat, make sure you're treating all of them at the same time? Yeah, well, I've given pepper hers, right. her flea stuff. Yes. And uh, I've given the cat his. Yes. So it, it's up to my daughter to give the other one his. Well, and uh, they don't go round, they're not sleeping with one another. No, but the fleas, the fleas will hop on and off. 
and the life cycle is in the house, yeah. and so the fleas don't care. So oh. if you want to get control of the problem, you have yeah. to treat the whole household, and oh. it all has to be done at once, yeah. so it's synchronised. So oh. if it's your daughter's responsibility as well, you have to say, right, uh, yeah. we've got to do them all on the yeah. same day, and it's yeah. got to be the same therapy that you're using. Yeah. Um, but just remember that uh, some dog products cannot be used on cats. No. You have to I, be very careful. Yeah. Okay, but uh, if you treat them all, yeah. you'll get much better control. Otherwise, this is just going to, as you say, it comes back every year. Oh, every time. Ellen, one more thing. Just yeah. there's, a, there's a product called Scudo. It's ultrasonic, and it actually emits this wave that stops the fleas getting onto the dog or the cat. And they might help because that way they won't even have the saliva on them. Oh, well, where do I get Just in a, in a normal pet store. Just yeah, be just be careful. Uh, it's yeah. called, what's it called? Scudo. S-K-U-D-O. Scudo. Oh, yeah. Scudo. So try those, but if, you, if you've still got to treat the fleas, because otherwise if they don't hop on the dog or cat, yeah. they're going to hop on you. Well, I have to get the house... Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to get the house spray too. Well, the thing is the life cycle is on the animals, yeah. and if you use an effective product on the animals, you will get rid of it. Okay. Good luck with that, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Baden joins us now. Hello, Baden. Hi, good morning. Hi, Baden. Look, I spoke to you very briefly last week about ferrets. About your ferrets, yes. Yeah, and uh, I didn't get quite the chance to ask a couple of other little things I need to know. Sure. About toileting and, and um, food. All right, um, yep. Can, can, the, can the ferret share the litter tray that the cat uses? They can. Um, I always say to people... Number of cats and you can, or plus ferrets, uh, you need that many litter trays plus one. So if you've got uh, one cat, one ferret, you need three litter trays. Okay, so you always have to have an extra one available. Oh, right. Okay. So they will share, but um, you might find just the number of litter trays that you need uh, to make sure that they've got plenty of stress-free options. Uh, you mean in the one location or in various no, locations? No, spread out. Okay. Yeah. And what about food? Food. Now, ferrets have a particularly uh, need for a um, high-protein, low-fiber diet. They have what's called a very shortened transit time. So from the food going in their mouth to coming out the other end is about four hours. Mm -hmm. And so it has to be highly digestible. The best food I've seen used is you can actually get ferret food, mm -hmm. um, which is imported from the United States, but you um, otherwise can use kitten food which has the right balance of nutrients in it, mm -hmm. and um, that provides all they need. Okay? Okay. Can I ask you one more quick question? Just quickly, yeah. yeah about horses and Equimax. Horses getting those little um, things that they get out of the grass, which if they lick, can give them maggots in the stomach. Oh, the bot flies. Yeah. Yeah, they lay, the, they lay the eggs on their leg. Equimax um, kill those? Um, stretching now because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I haven't sure looked at horses for about 10 years. <laughs> I'm pretty sure actually with the, the Equimax is a horse swimmer. It's, a, it's abomectin, yeah. abomectin based yeah. and prosecontal for tapeworm. Right. I'm pretty sure that that That's one right. will do the bot. Yeah, yeah most yeah, of, most of those will. Before and I thought we'd been going along for this long, so. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think you're fine. Good luck with All right, that thank you then, very much. Thanks for the call, Baden. And Christine joins us. Hello, Christine. Hi, how are you going? Hi, Christine. Hi, how are you going? Good. I have an elderly Maltese male. He's mm -hmm. almost 15. He's almost blind. He has cataracts. Mm -hmm. And he's pretty deaf. 
I clap and he hears us and he can see a few hand signals and Uh-oh. understands. Yeah. Just recently, or probably the last couple of months, he started urinating in the house. Yeah. Never on the carpets, only ever on the tiles. It's not such a drama. Yeah. But it only ever seems to be when people come. Even if it's just the neighbour popped in, seems to be more noise than usual. Yep. I don't know if he's disorientated or... Well, there's a number of things that could happen. We do see behavioural responses like that, particularly with stress. But I think in a, a dog that you've described at that age, there's also neurological dysfunction can happen. Yes. So if they have some spinal cord diseases, can also um, start to cause leakage of urine. Or he's desexed, I presume. Yes, he is. Um, de male dogs, sometimes we see this. It's, it's more common in female dogs, but in male dogs it does happen, and it's due to a lack of tone in the muscle at the neck of the bladder, which is under the influence of um, testosterone, or in female dogs it's estrogen. So uh, occasionally we see it and they might need a testosterone injection. But if that was the case, then it would happen all the time. Well, more than likely. Yeah. So, But it could be that the pressure in the bladder just builds up under a little bit of stress and the mm. muscle control is not quite there. Mm. It is important to make sure you get him checked out for spinal cord disease, there are um, some other things that uh, we call it canine cognitive dysfunction, yep. which is a brain disorder, a bit like dementia that can also cause that. And there is some medication that can be helpful for those guys. Mm, so okay. you'd best to check him out. And, of course, urinary tract infections can also predispose was... him to it as well. actually wondering, do dogs get um, diabetes as they get older, do they get the onset because he's starting to drink? He's always drunk a they, lot, but yeah. he's drinking more, which would cause him to wee more. They can, that's right. And so you, you would find maybe taking a urine sample and he'd yeah. need a blood test yeah. as part of a general uh, aged dog workup, a, a general health profile to make sure that there's nothing else going on. Yeah. So certainly get him checked out for those things, and um, I'm sure there's some medication that'll help things along. All right. Okay. Thanks very much. Have a great show. Thanks. I enjoyed just sitting here listening. I Thank you. Time, Ec- thanks. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for that. And we have Bruce who's uh, run in, rung in with a question as well. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Hello. How are you? Good, good. Um, I have a uh, Springer Spaniel 10-year-old. Um, I suppose he's scratching a lot, and apparently it's part of the make of the dog. They, uh, they do get uh, skin irritations, and... Uh, but this time I notice it's longer than normal um, this time of the year. Um, is there, uh, I have heard cortisone need, uh, needle every six months. Uh, are you in favour of that or is there another direction I can take with you? Well, there's a couple of things just to say, and we've only got a brief minute, so I'll wrap it up for you now. Itching dogs can be caused by a number of things. Allergies, particularly if it's seasonal, is always the most likely thing. The first thing mm-hmm. to look at is your flea control because even if it's an allergy to something else, Fleas are always going to complicate it, so you make sure that's out of the way. And if you've got good flea control and they're still scratching, then we start to think of other allergies, and certainly grasses and pollens and dust mites and things like that are common. There's various medications that are useful. Um, Cortisone is very effective at stopping itching. The problem is that the itching comes back, even while they're on the cortisone, and it has side effects. And for that reason, I don't like the use of it. I think it's appropriate to use maybe, you know, if you've got an intensely itchy dog for three to five days just to break that cycle. But I prefer to see antihistamines, 
medicated shampoos, uh, dietary supplements with fatty acids, and also um, immunotherapy where we actually get find out through a blood test what he's allergic to, and then you can get a vaccine made up to um, get over the top of that over a period of time. So there's a number of options there, but cortisone, yes, it works, but it has too many side effects for my liking. Okay, so go to a vet and get a blood test done and, um, and start from there. Yep, that's a good place to start. Good. All right, thanks, Bruce. Bruce. You've been listening to 2NURFM's Pet Chat.